morning. Good to see everybody. Welcome back. Uh, it's uh, good to be back after a refreshing break over the Christmas season. I want to just say at the outset, um, as a parent, I know all British Columbians are are angry and, and saddened at the loss of an innocent life in uh, gang violence in the Lower Mainland. And I know I speak for all British Columbians when I say that no stone should be left unturned as we find the uh, perpetrators of this heinous crime and bring them to justice. I, I listened to uh, Chief Palmer uh, from the Vancouver Police Department yesterday speaking about how his officers feel in these situations. And I think all British Columbians share that anger and, and frustration. So with that, uh, I want to move on to what will be a very challenging number of weeks for our new government. Uh, at the end of this week, it will mark the six-month anniversary of our swearing-in last uh, July. It's been a very busy six months, as you all know, uh, but the next six months are going to be even busier. We have uh, a very, very aggressive agenda when it comes to uh, addressing the cannabis challenges that have been laid before us by the federal government. Housing and child care will be the focuses of our budget in February. I leave on a trade mission on uh, Friday? Friday? Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> there's, a time, so there's a timeline in there, an international dateline. So I think I get there on sometime after I leave, which is just what you want to do when you're on a trade mission. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. So it's the, uh, 2018 is the year of China Canada Tourism, so uh, Minister Lisa Baer will be joining Minister Ralston and Minister Chow as we talk about a range of issues uh, with respect to trade and economic activity between uh, the Asia-Pacific and, uh, and British Columbia and Canada. We will be in China for a number of days before going to Seoul, Korea, and then concluding in Japan before returning to British Columbia at the end of the month. So it's going to be a busy few weeks for me and my, my team. We're excited, we're ready to get going, and uh, I know all British Columbians want to see a continuation of a government that's working for them, that's focusing on the issues that matter to people, and that's what we intend to do. So with that, I'll let Sheena hey, you guys have out. Uh, ask you about the mobility pricing, just off the lower mainland. I mean, affordability and bridge tools were key to your election campaign in Metro Vancouver. Do you have any worry that uh, being part of a mobility pricing scheme in which people get charged to drive over a bridge or into downtown or per kilometer undermines the affordability promises that, uh, that you made that picked up some of your votes? Well, certainly our focus is on affordability for British Columbians, making life uh, easier for people in one of the most expensive jurisdictions in North America, certainly one of the most expensive jurisdictions in Canada. Uh, the, the Mayor's Council has uh, undertaken a review of mobility pricing as their attempt to meet their costs in increasing transit and transportation infrastructure in uh, the Lower Mainland. Uh, so I await the final report. I haven't, uh, I have to confess, uh, I've been very busy this morning. I haven't seen the preliminary report, but I know in my discussions with the uh, Mayor Cote, particularly in New Westminster, as well as other mayors on the Mayor's Council, that this is a component part that they want to uh, uh, aggressively drive for their, uh, their needs uh, outside of property taxation, and we'll wait and see what they come up with. But I, I haven't uh, formed an opinion on what those, what those outcomes would be. Mayors coming up with plans and the government, for political reasons, mixing them or not allowing the mayors to follow through. So if they come back with mobility pricing, even if it results in something you don't like, would you be willing to give it to them if, it, if that's what they want? 
Uh, no, I, I want to see what they come back with and how it fits in with our affordability plan for British Columbians. We have some significant challenges on the horizon with our Crown Corporations, ICBC, BC Hydro. We have challenges, I, I do have to say, uh, just after New Year's, I was greeted by two very, very happy women coming out of a coffee shop in Saanich, uh, uh, remarking, remarking on the fact that their MSP premiums have been cut in half. So it's initiatives like that that give people confidence that the government's actually working for them. And I don't want to see inconsistent policies come forward from other jurisdictions. We'll have to work, of course, with the mayor's council. There's new leadership there. Uh, mayor Corrigan is now uh, heading up that organization. We haven't spoken directly on this initiative, but we will in the future. Well, continuing on with that subject, will you commit to uh, bringing in enabling legislation if that's what's required, or do you reserve the right to say no to uh, what the mayors want? Well, it's, it's a mayor's council initiative. So I'll leave it up to them to defend uh, what their outcomes are ultimately, and also uh, I'll await their requests for action by the government before I take any speculative action. What I do know is that we need to move quickly to meet the, de the deadlines that have been put in place by the federal government in terms of having federal dollars, 40% uh, of 40% uh, from the province, 40% from the federal government, and 20% from the municipalities in the in the metro region. They're responsible for raising that money. They have to come up with solutions on the 20%, and I'll wait for them to come to me before I pass a judgment. And different topic, the man charged with the murder of the Abbotsford police officer in court uh, has been revealed that he won't even come to trial until 2019. Is that an acceptable delay in justice? Well, I, you know, I, was, I had the honor of attending um, the constable's funeral in Abbotsford with thousands of other people and thousands more watched the entire proceeding on television. So I think British Columbians are seized of the challenges law enforcement faces and random acts of violence, as we saw in Vancouver over the weekend, uh, focus people's attention on how successful our courts are prosecuting uh, people and coming to conclusions. I know uh, there's other court action today. Uh, Brian Bonney, I understand, is, is in court for sentencing. That's How long has that been going on? I think, oh, broadly speaking, British Columbians become aware of the slow pace of justice when issues, prominent issues like this come to bear. And, it, of course, the news media bring those to our attention, and it reminds us as, as governments that we need to work to ensure that the public has confidence in our systems, whether it's our uh, legislative processes or our justice system. Lisa? 
Um, Premier, I know that this, this week is the one-year anniversary of Baby Max passing away at the daycare in Vancouver. I know that he's close to your heart, so yeah. picture in your office. Yeah. A year ago, or was I guess last summer, Katrina Conway, one of your ministers, was saying, how is it possible that this happened, that the woman who was running the daycare was investigated three times, there was no fine. Do you think enough changes have been made? I mean, I know you've been at the six-month mark coming up, it yeah. hasn't been long, but do you think enough changes have been made and that people are being looked at who are what I want to see from our efforts on child care uh, is to ensure that families like Baby Max parents don't feel they have no choice, don't feel that the only option they have is an unlicensed, unregulated. And that's what happened in that instance. And I met with the parents uh, before the election that had a profound impact on me and has shaped how I proceeded and directed Minister Chen and Conroy to work uh, to bring forward uh, a robust, accessible, affordable program for all British Columbians. And we're committed to doing that. I, I can't comment on the case uh, with respect to Baby Mac. I know you're not asking me that. But have we made it, uh, enough progress? I would say no. And we need to make more progress on a range of issues. What uh, I've been able to do over the Christmas break is to, to take stock of progress that we have made, to take stock on the issues that we want to address in the months ahead. It, it was, a, we, as all of us who are here, and I see a, a whole bunch of familiar faces, it's been an extraordinary 12 months in British Columbia. And we have, I'm hopeful, another extraordinary 12 months ahead of us as a government demonstrates that we can work for people, we can get outcomes that make lives better if we all work together. And that's, that's what I want to do, and that's, uh, that's my New Year's resolution, is to make sure that we don't have this conversation a year from now saying we've come up short on a whole bunch of issues. That would be looking at because, of course, the daycare yes is a great idea, but that's not immediate, and there are parents who do need to send kids yeah. to these homes. So, is enough being done, and are you following up on that to make sure that people who are thwarting those rules are facing the consequences? Well, yeah, well, certainly uh, we're doing everything we can to raise awareness around the importance of this issue. We're greatly benefited by the coverage of tragedies like Baby Mac, and what the commitment I made to Chris and Cheryl was that. Baby Mac's death would not be in vain and that we would, as a new government, given the opportunity, make sure that parents like them were not put into that situation. And we're doing everything we can to, to realize that. Is it enough? I don't know. When Chris called me over the weekend or contacted me over the weekend, could he learn from me that the case had gone to the Crown? Are we doing enough to help victims in this yeah. kind of situation? Well, again, uh, these are issues that are now before courts. Uh, I can't comment on that, but I will take you back, uh, Lisa, to the earlier question about are we doing enough to give the public confidence that our institutions are meeting the needs of people? And that means a government that works for you every day, and that's what we're trying to do. We need to restore confidence in our political processes, our legislature. I think we've gone a good distance in that. All members of the legislature have gone a good distance to give the public the sense that we're here for a purpose, and that purpose is the, the people of British Columbia, making life better for them. But when it comes to examples of, of protracted uh, delays in court proceedings and prosecutions and finding justice for families, that's when people shake their head and say they're not working for us. We want to we correct that, but we don't do it overnight. And as I say, six months this week and, and another three and a half uh, years to go. So hopefully we'll be making progress that will meet the needs of families like uh, Baby Max. Uh, on your visit to China, 
guess that some of the people we've been talking to over there have been following coverage here around the housing issue, real estate speculation, foreign buyers. Yeah. Um, if you get questions about it, are you going to be in a position to say, look, we're not singling out Chinese investors, even though a lot of the commentary here suggests that you are getting them? Well, certainly uh, we're going to talk uh, when appropriate to the individuals that we meet, whether they be government officials or, or, or industry, uh, that uh, money laundering, uh, speculation on real estate in British Columbia, uh, the fentanyl crisis all comes from outside of our borders. That's the whole essence of offshore investment and, and speculation. It's not confined to China. It's not confined to any one geographic area. What we know with absolute certainty is that uh, money raised in other uh, parts of the world are distorting our housing market, and we want to take steps to address that, and we'll be doing it in the budget. On cannabis, given the amount of work the province still has to do, having just started last July, look at that. Uh, have you thought of asking the Prime Minister for more time for implementation? Uh, what's the rush to get it done by cannabis? Yeah, I'm, I'm smiling, Vaughn, because uh, I think I might have said this to this assembly in the past, I've, I know I've said it many times, my first uh, first minister's meeting, I was the cavalier kid, the new guy on the block, and as other premiers were saying, we can't possibly get this done by July, I was saying no problem, because it's British Columbia, and we've got a, a long tradition of cannabis consumption and distribution, so surely to goodness, we of all provinces will be able to figure it out. Uh, my hubris has uh, caught up with me in this instance, and uh, we have an awful lot of work to do. Minister Farnworth is briefing me regularly on uh, the volume of work. Ledge Council, these are, these are issues that the public won't uh, be particularly concerned about, but the process of drafting and amending legislation is not something you can do overnight. We have an ambitious legislative agenda as it is, separating, taking cannabis out of the equation. But I don't want to give up the ghost at this point. Uh, I made a commitment to the Prime Minister that British Columbia was going to meet the timelines. I think the only province, and again, I, I could stand to be corrected, but Manitoba had expressed concerns at the uh, First Minister's meeting and has continued to express concerns. Other jurisdictions in my conversations with them are doing their best to meet the July deadline, and, and we're going to do that as well. Just back to transportation, Premier. I know there's a commitment to fund things like the, the Pelos Bridge replacement, the Bridge replacement, the Millennium Line expansion. Um, when do you think we might actually see some of that finalized and seeing some of those projects move forward? Well, there's a new uh, leadership group at uh, the Mayor's Council, so we're going to have to see how that unfolds. Uh, Mayor Robertson has announced that he's not seeking re-election. He was a primary driver uh, for many of these initiatives. So uh, I, I can't speculate on how the Mayor's Council is going to respond. I do know in our bilateral discussions with the federal government, they're anxious to get dollars out the door. Uh, we're anxious to receive that money. Uh, this is a unique opportunity, and in, uh, in, uh, infrastructure projects have traditionally been one-third, one-third, one-third. The federal government stepped up to 40%. We've stepped up to 40%, so it's incumbent upon uh, the mayors to get themselves together, and I don't mean that in a, in a, you know, I'm not talking down to them, I'm not directing them, but, but they've had a change in leadership, and they have to figure it out, and we want to make progress, and I know they do as well. Um, the Greens are asking for a ban on Well, that wasn't part of our CASA agreement, uh, and I think it's a good example of where uh, 
the Green Party and, and I disagree, and other British Columbians disagree. Uh, not the end of the world. Uh, Mr. Weaver and his colleagues have opinions, and I'm happy to hear from them. We've certainly put that in the mix. They're not the first people to suggest that, and they probably won't be the last. But we uh, have a plan. Um, Minister James and Minister Robinson are working on the supply and demand side when it comes to housing, and, and we'll have announcements to make in the coming budget. Premier, I was at your uh, community office yesterday where there was a rally for uh, a young boy whose yeah. mother desperately wanted a drug. You're well aware of the story. There's been a few of these stories. They're all pretty similar. Uh, rare drug, very expensive. They plead for farm retired coverage. It's yeah. not a common drug reward. Uh, the health minister has granted in some cases an exception, in other cases not. Is this system working? It's putting a lot of pressure on the health minister to make these tough decisions, and it seems like every case is uh, there's a different outcome. Uh, what's your take on this? Well, I, I couldn't be more comfortable to have uh, someone of Adrian Dix's caliber and uh, commitment at the front of this, uh, this very difficult issue. Uh, as a parent, I, uh, I know that, uh, that I would do anything, uh, and as all of you would, anything for my child. And I, I'm, uh, my office has been advocating as a member of the legislature uh, for the family in terms of getting the appropriate uh, meetings and, and conversations started. We've done that. We'll continue to do that. Other members of the legislature have done that. But we can't, and I agree with Adrian, we can't have politicians uh, approving uh, drugs uh, for distribution in British Columbia. And I would also add that I think the pharmaceutical sector has some responsibility in this as well. Uh, I, I would like to think that we can work uh, as a government through Pharmacare and through uh, the federal government as well, to try and accelerate uh, approvals, not just here in British Columbia, but in Canada, and also work with the providers of these uh, pharmaceutical miracles in some families' cases uh, to get them into their hands at a more cost, in a more cost-effective way. I, I think all British Columbians would think that it's outrageous that a, that a drug that will improve the quality of life for a youngster in extreme pain should cost 20 grand a month. That strikes me as outrageous, and I I don't want to get into, you know, um, patent protection and, and all of those other issues. Those are largely federal issues. But I think that most British Columbians, they don't necessarily think that government's going to solve all their problems. The private sector has a role to play here, and I think there would be a, a good deal of benefit to the provider of this drug if they were able to provide it in a more cost-effective way. But how come some drugs in this case have been approved on a case-by-case in this family? has made a desperate plea for case-by-case yeah. case for this young boy, and it's yeah. different with the UBC decision with that student. That, that was a life-and-death issue as opposed to a quality-of-life issue. And, I, again, I don't want to simplify this or diminish uh, my constituents' concerns, but uh, they are apples and oranges. And, again, I'll leave it to Adrian to manage that. And, I, I, again, British Columbians should take great comfort that someone of his uh, commitment is working on these issues. Okay, we still have about four people Premier, you were um, fighting the good fight against U.S. lumber duties, and I noticed when David Emerson filed out uh, mm -hmm. yesterday or the day before, no, there's no one named to replace them. Is BC kind of uh, a bit changing strategies or batting down the hatches or just handing this over to the lawyers or what? Well, it, it, you know, you asked the question right there, Les. It is now a litigation question rather than a negotiation issue. Uh, Mr. Emerson provided uh, exemplary service to British Columbia on this file, and it was at his, you know, he, he approached us and said, look, I don't feel that I can continue uh, to draw a, a, a stipend 
uh, for work that I'm not able to do now. And, I, and that speaks to, again, his integrity. And uh, he's a British Columbian that will be able to provide this government. Uh, he's committed to that, and I, I'm going to find the next task for him to do. Uh, he has a background in finance, a background in forestry, a background in transportation, and he was a trade minister international, uh, federally. So he's an asset to British Columbia. He's given us his best effort on the softwood file, as did many others, and it just was not enough. So he's moved on, and we're now into the litigation phase. But uh, I'm sure that we haven't heard the last of David Emerson, certainly if I have anything to do with it. Uh, question about another issue in your writing. Uh, lots of crashes, injuries, fatalities on the sucrose, mayor's calling for long overdue improvement. Yeah. What's your government doing about that issue? Well, uh, thanks for the question. A, uh, the former government uh, asked for a review of the corridor. Uh, that review came to me uh, some months ago, and it was inadequate. Uh, I asked the ministry to go back uh, and look at it again uh, with a view, and of course since then we've had another fatality on the Highway 14 corridor. Uh, we're going to be making an announcement later in the week on some preliminary steps uh, for safety improvements, and there'll be much more work done in that corridor. It's an area that, in my opinion, and I'm biased, has been neglected over the past number of years. We've had uh, it's the fastest-growing part of Vancouver Island, and uh, uh, take Surrey out of the equation, uh, uh, it's um, among the fastest-growing uh, areas in the province, and transportation infrastructure hasn't kept pace with that, and uh, I'm committed, that I, as I have been, since I was first elected in 2005 to make sure that transportation within and around uh, the West Shore area out to Souk uh, is as safe as it possibly can be. So we have an announcement later in the week and much more work to do after that. Okay, just that it's uh, one person but two partners. So just following up on the real estate, so the Green Party leader is uh, saying that uh, why not follow the institute and ban a foreign ownership of property. Yeah. And then he's also tweeted that, uh, you know, the NDP government could potentially fall if you um, continue the generational seller of the in the LNG policy to be too liberal. I think you got the messaging right on that. Uh, well, firstly, on the, uh, on the ban on foreign purchasers, I just don't believe that in an open economy uh, that's an appropriate way to proceed. I do believe that we need to, uh, to knock back the speculation and, and make sure that we are penalizing that behavior uh, in the interest of uh, reducing demand and, and uh, softening prices. And that will also be assisted if you bring on more supply. But it's, it's a, you have to do both. You have to deal with demand and you have to deal with supply I think that Mr. Weaver's suggestion is one that I've heard before. Uh, New Zealand is uh, a small uh, set of islands in the South Pacific. Uh, British Columbia is the gateway to Canada, uh, and I don't believe that we should be uh, curbing people coming here. I'm a child of uh, an immigrant. Uh, virtually everyone that I see here is a child of an immigrant. Uh, so uh, I just don't think that's the way we should proceed. On uh, the, the proposal of... Uh, of LNG Canada particularly to potentially uh, invest in uh, LNG in British Columbia. Uh, I'm going to be in China, Korea, and Japan, and during my visit I'll be meeting with partners of LNG Canada just to let them know that our view on this question is uh, we're uh, okay with uh, LNG development provided that uh, there are benefits to British Columbians through jobs, there's a fair return for the resource, uh, our, our climate action objectives can be realized, and that First Nations are partners. You've heard this from me before, and you'll hear it from me again. Andrew? Yeah, so the uh, BC Hydro rate raises the part of the BCU. Uh, among the interveners, even some of the ones that have been fed to the screen, uh, 
Yes. What is the state of that? And I'll ask you this yeah, well, one of the, uh, thanks for that. Uh, I like your second part better than your first part. Um, the, the challenges at BC Hydro are well known, uh, certainly by me and by those of you who have been following these issues for the past number of years. Uh, the, the runaway deferral accounts are already in the, in the uh, sites of the Auditor General and she's going to be putting in place a, a, a rigorous review there. I've asked the, the new board, uh, the new board chair, to ensure that we are doing everything we can to make a transparent process for the Auditor General and also doing what we can to drive down those deferral accounts uh, as quickly as possible. On the rate freeze, it was a commitment we made during the election campaign. Uh, we've asked Hydro to apply for a 0% increase, and we'll see how that unfolds. I am now more uh, convinced than ever that the better course of action on affordability is not blanket uh, reductions or freezes, but targeted to those who can best, uh, that can best benefit from uh, relief in this area. And I, uh, Andrew, you and I have talked about this, and I've spoken about uh, a, a principle, a thing called lifeline rates. That's the, the generic name for it, but basically means testing. Uh, those that are seeing a, significant increases in their hydro bills, if they can't find power smart ways to reduce those costs, uh, then perhaps uh, relief from the utility or from the province is a way to do that. And I've, I've uh, directed the uh, board chair to take a look at that. So that's, that, and, and that's not new, that's underway. That was one of the first things I did. But we haven't got progress yet. Good question. Uh, no, uh, I did ask uh, Minister Heyman to, uh, to work as, uh, as best he could within the, the confines of uh, the duty of the Crown. To, uh, the, the, that's consistent from election to election. The Crown remains the Crown regardless of who forms the government. That's been a challenge on some of the litigation on a whole range of issues, particularly Kinder Morgan. So uh, I think all British Columbians were mortified that uh, three years would pass with no consequences to the most... Uh, uh, horrific mining disaster in BC history. Uh, I remain concerned and I'm anxious to hear what the courts have to say, but there are other uh, actions under the uh, Fisheries Act that don't have a statute of limitations that you uh, identified uh, that have far greater uh, penalties for uh, non-compliance. So there, it's not the, this isn't the end of uh, justice or consequences for the, for the failure, it's just one area. Okay, and we are going to the phone for the final two questions. Uh, Marcella, we'll start. Marcella, we only have time for one question per reporter. Thank you. Um, Premier, just wanted to ask you about uh, what's happening with the delays regarding funding for seniors' homes. There was $45 million promised by the former government. We tried to ask Adrian Dix about this yesterday, and we didn't get a response. So that money was supposed to be in place by now. It hasn't developed yet, uh, what assurances are you offering care providers that that money is on the way? Well, I certainly know that it's a significant issue for uh, those who are providing care and those who are receiving care. Uh, again, uh, Adrian is working on that. Uh, there was initial uh, 
uh, commitments by the previous government, but we saw through the seniors' report uh, nine out of ten care facilities are understaffed. We need to address that, and we're committed to doing so. Okay, and last, Richard from Singtao. Uh, I, have two, I have two questions. First one, uh, please tell me a little more about your coming visit to China. What kind of goal you want to reach? The second one is uh, please update the uh, preparation of the marijuana legalization. Thank you. Uh, can you ask the first question again? I didn't, I didn't get the, the point. Okay, the, your coming visit uh, to China, what kind of goal you want to reach? What kind of goal? Oh, uh, well, certainly it's, a, it's an, a, a, an almost obligatory for a leader of uh, the government of British Columbia to visit our major trading partners. Uh, China, Japan, Korea are significant uh, uh, drivers of economic activity here in British Columbia. Uh, I, I'm very excited to go to Guangzhou province, uh, our sister province, uh, a sister relationship that was signed by Mike Harcourt when I used to work for him. Uh, Mike sent me some pictures of his visit, uh, and he said I have to lose my hair faster. I'm not inclined to do that, but uh, we kind of look the same, except uh, we don't. But uh, I'm, following, I'm following in Mike's uh, footsteps, and I'm excited about uh, reestablishing relationships with uh, uh, Guangdong province and Guangzhou city, which is also a sister uh, city with Vancouver again when Mike Harcourt was the mayor. But uh, one of the exciting parts of the trip is uh, kicking off this first this year of uh, China-Canada tourism. And so Minister Baird is coming along with her deputy minister as well as uh, Minister Ralston for trade, technology, and, and Minister Chow as well. So we're going to be trying to put our best foot forward to encourage more investment, to encourage more exchange. We had a massive, a massive forestry delegation last fall led by Minister Donaldson, and I spoke to many CEOs who were on the trip who were very excited about a renewed interest in forestry, as uh, some of the questions have, have uh, suggested there has been a fo there had been by the previous government an almost singular focus on liquefied natural gas. There are so many other uh, economic opportunities in British Columbia, particularly our foundational forestry industry. And with the challenges we have with softwood lumber, to make sure we're making progress on opening new markets for our wood products is critically important. So tourism, forestry, we're going to be talking about uh, energy as well manufacturing, those are the types of things that I think are great opportunities for, for China, Korea, Japan, and also for British Columbia and Canada. Uh, with respect to cannabis, uh, just going back to uh, basically uh, reiterating what I said to Vaughn, there are significant challenges ahead. We want to make sure that the public is comfortable, that uh, we have in place a system that is fair, that is going to protect public health, and it's going to ensure that children don't have easy access to cannabis. Uh, these are going to be significant challenges, but we're up for the test. Okay, thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you everybody. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for that. I, I would also say that uh, it, uh, and I thank those media outlets that, that made a uh, made comment about my brother's passing. Uh, I can't tell you the number of people, just regular people, who came up and said condolences to me. Um, you know, and I didn't even, I hadn't even seen the paper, but they, I think it was the. I point to the Vancouver Sun, apologies to everybody else, but I know that many others covered it, but uh, people who came up and said, I saw this in the paper, and thank you so much for doing that, and it was, uh, um, it was, uh, thanks. <laughs>